What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Jeff Press Podcast. My name is Mike Luciano. I know that there's already some people. Whoa, where's Justin T. Free? Well, Justin is on a well-deserved vacation. He has been really kicking butt through this whole free agency Aaron Rodgers draft process. He hasn't earned a ton of time off and he has taken advantage. So for this week, we have a very special guest helping me out. Joining us is Scott Mason of the Play Like a Jet podcast. Scott, from beautiful Myrtle Beach on location. He is living the life. Thank you so much for coming on to the Jet Press Podcast this week. You can find us over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts at. And you can find us on YouTube at the Jet Press. Go over there and hit that little bell after you subscribe so you can get notified whenever we go live. Scott, I'll give you the floor first. Just introduce yourself to the Jet Press community. Well, first of all, I have to say three things. Number one, I take umbrage with you saying that Justin's vacation is well-deserved. How dare he leave us at this crucial time with the schedule coming out? I'm just kidding. I love Justin. I'm busting his chops. The second thing is I'm getting used to the hold music when you when you get ready for the countdown to going on air. And that was a really good bluesy sounding song. I was kind of getting into it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're live. Oh, man, I was rocking out to that song. Then the third thing is, Michael, have to chide you for having never seen my cousin Vinny. And I'm going to talk to Justin about this. You are not allowed to appear on this show again until you've seen that movie. So you have one week to see my cousin Vinny. I'm going to talk to Justin and make sure that that gets strictly enforced. But to your original question, I'm Scott Mason, the host of the Play Like a Jet podcast, which is every single day, not Monday to Friday, literally seven days a week. All the way through the year, no breaks, no vacations, nothing like that. New show every single day. In fact, today, as you're streaming this, we've got a brand new show with John Walters, who's the play-by-play voice of the Iowa State Cyclones, talking about Will McDonald going through his entire history, some personal stories that John has from his time covering Will at Iowa State, 
and even some fun stories about Alan Lazard because John was on the show last year to talk about Brees Hall. Brees Hall, obviously not a subject we need to discuss again because we went into it with him last year, but Alan Lazard, former Iowa State Cyclone wide receiver, now he's with the Jets. So John knows him fairly well. We talked to him about Lazard and obviously the big ticket item was Will McDonald. So like I said, seven days a week, catch me on Twitter at play like a jet one. We're on all the, uh, we're on all the uh, usual podcatcher apps. And obviously uh, much like you can see video here, we've got a video element, youtube.com slash play like a jet where my friend, the thunder from down under Luke Grant does film breakdowns, very digestible. They're smart. They're about 10 minutes long. So it's perfect for a fan who wants to educate himself, but doesn't want to spend three weeks trying to decipher certain things. So anyway, that's a general introduction for anybody that doesn't know who I am. Make sure you check that out. And also make sure you check out the Jet Press right after you get back, where we will dive into a fairly jam-packed show for the kind of doldrums of the offseason, that little May-June miasma, starting, of course, with Quinn and Williams. Because Quinn and Williams still has not signed a bigger extension with the New York Jets. And in offseason where there's been guys like Deron Payne and Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence with the Giants, tons of big defensive tackles have gotten paid. A lot, a couple of them have reset the market. I think assuming that the Aaron Donald contract is not going to be touched. Guys like Lawrence, Payne, and Simmons have all signed contracts worth in excess of $21 million a year. So big money being thrown around. The Jets and Quinnen obviously have not reached a deal yet, which has prompted tons of weird trade speculation, which really does For some reason, the Detroit Lions and the Lions fan base have in their mind that they're trading for Quinn and Williams. I don't know why this is a thing. I don't even want to dignify it with a response. So I will just say, I think this deal is going to get done, and I really don't see a situation where Joe Douglas, who has shown in the past he can kind of play hardball with guys, I don't see him doing that with Quinn and Williams. We've said this before on the Jet Press podcast. This is a consequence, I think, of the Aaron Rodgers deal because so much of the Jets offseason basically happened in slow motion because there was this huge limbo of we're getting Aaron Rodgers, but we don't officially have him, and we don't know if we're going to have to jettison extra pieces to take him on. So because of that, they really haven't been able to hit the ground running with a lot of these things. Uh, Quinnen will eventually get done. And I, I know that it's alarming because so many other tackles have gotten paid, and it just seems natural that Quinnen should get paid, and he hasn't. So naturally, the instinct is to panic. Just take a deep breath, count the five. This is going to happen. The, the, the Quinnen contract, it's just it's a necessity for the Jets, especially with how they run their scheme. There's, I don't see a future which this doesn't get done for probably around what maybe Jeffrey Simmons got with the Titans, which will be $23.5 million a year. Yeah, I don't think it's anything that anyone should worry about right now. Until training camp comes along, they've got time to get this done. Training camp is... The end of July, I know there's the mandatory mini camps and all that stuff, but I, I think it, as far as the trade aspect, I can't imagine. It would have to get to a nuclear level for the Jets to consider doing that just because, look, we all talk about Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams and Quinn and Williams are very different. As good as Jamal Adams was with the Jets, when it came down to it, he was still a safety. So there's a limited impact that he could have. Quinn and Williams as a premier interior pass rusher, I don't think a lot of people understand how valuable a commodity that is because you hear about edge rusher all the time, and that's great. But a big part of the reason you don't hear about elite interior rushers is because there aren't a lot of them. You mentioned Aaron Donald before. We can talk about 
some of the other players in the league. Like, for example, you could have you could speak about Chris Jones. If you go back a while, Fletcher Cox, guys like that. I don't think Dexter Lawrence is anywhere near the stratosphere as a pass rusher as Quentin Williams. I would argue Quentin Williams is. A- and it looks like we have some technical difficulties right here with Scott. So uh, apologies for that. But uh, going along with Scott's point, uh, Quentin Williams, base, it seems like we'll have some technical problems. We'll get Scott back on as soon as possible. Uh, I think he's right in saying, though, that right now Quentin Williams is a guy who, looking back on, he's. It, I just don't see any way he doesn't get extended. Because what the Jets would say, basically, if they don't do that, or if they trade him for some God knows what sort of package, is that they think his production is replaceable. And you can't replace 12 sacks on the interior and pressure numbers that really only guys like Donald and Simmons have really had in recent years. So I I think this will probably get done, I think, sooner rather than later. Here's what I want to at least do to kind of crystallize that and kind of shut down all the other Quinn and Williams uh, naysayers out there, or at least the people, because I've seen some some talk about there about how, you know, Quinn and Williams is not really deserving of this sort of contract, despite the fact he had 28 quarterback hits and 55 tackles in a scheme that places so much emphasis on interior pressure, because as me and Justin have said in the past, they're really not blitzing guys from all over. This is not Todd Bowles sending 50 defensive backs all over to simulate pressure. Robert Sala, especially with cornerbacks like Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, and even guys like Chuck Clark, like some of the improvements they've made, they're going to rely so heavily on Quinn and Williams on the interior to get pressure without being too much, without sending too much, that to, to lose him is to really lose the heart of the defense, quite frankly. Hopefully the Quinn and Williams deal gets done, as Scott has mentioned before, and you can listen to Scott and play with the Jet podcast. It'll happen soon. So let's move on to the Mackay Becton drama, because the Mackay Becton drama just seems to follow this guy. For some reason, even though he's a likable guy, and I want Mackay Becton to do well, and Justin wants Mackay Becton to do well, and Jets fans want Mackay Becton to do well, he's been prone to putting on some kind of bonkers tweets. And his most recent one, of course, being one of the more surprising, the I am a left tackle in all caps with bullet points, or sorry, with periods. That That's an alarming quote, just in a vacuum, especially because it seemed like we were heading towards Mekhi Becton being the starting right tackle this year because they have Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown is an extremely respected veteran. He's still pretty good, even though he's going to be 38, I believe, this year. And he was playing hurt. And he's a locker room leader. So it, it seems like right now Dwayne Brown has the left tackle spot and then Becton would go to the right. But Becton puts out this weird tweet. I am a left tackle. And it prompted some reaction from Robert Sala, naturally, where Robert Sala says, you know what? Go earn that left tackle spot. So that seems to me like he's inviting competition between Makai Becton and Dwayne Brown, which is something that I would not have envisioned as soon as the, when the offseason started. It seemed like Brown had left tackle lockdown, but I think this goes to show that the Jets are still pot committed to Mekhi Becton, even though they didn't pick up the option, and they want to give him every opportunity to succeed with this new look offense, a scheme that I think will fit him well, especially since he's slimmed down a little bit. He's still ginormous, and that's part of what makes Mekhi Becton so good. The problem, though, 
is I just don't see I really don't see him beating out Brown at the left tackle spot. Uh, I think Beckton will still move to right tackle. That might frustrate him. But you know what? That kind of goes in line with Robert Sala's pass line, where Robert Sala in the past has said, we're going to play our five best offensive linemen. I don't know how that'll that'll shake out, because I know they do have some versatility. They obviously have Elijah Vera Tucker, who has both tackle and guard versatility. He played both tackle spots, actually, at USC. I still think he'll probably end up being the right guard. I know the Jets fans didn't love Lakin Tomlinson because he was fairly disappointing last year, but I have it, I find it hard to believe that the Jets are going to take a guy who was a perfect scheme fit in San Francisco, an offense that the Jets are going to run a variation of because Hackett comes from that tree, and then just give up on him after one season. I don't think it's like a Trumaine Johnson level where his power just was sucked out of him the second that he came to the New York Jets. I think that Lakin Tomlinson is probably going to be your left guard. I think that Elijah Vera Tucker is your right guard. And that leaves three spots open for competition. That leaves left and right tackle, which now have, I would say, four guys fighting for two spots. We have Dwayne Brown, we have Makai Becton, we have Carter Warren, and we have Max Mitchell. Carter Warren, by the way, check out our interview with him on the Jet Press with uh, Justin. He was a really fantastic interview, quite a fun guy. Mitchell is depth at this point. Mitchell did play well last year, I thought, given the circumstances, for a fourth-round rookie to immediately be thrown in against NFL-level talent. thought he handled himself well. And obviously, you don't want to see injuries happen, but if something happens and a guy ends up missing a couple weeks, I think most Jets fans and I think this Jets coaching staff would feel very comfortable with Max Mitchell playing right tackle. I think that Mitchell has proven he could at least be an NFL player. And I think Warren, build-wise, Kind of similar to Max Mitchell. I think Warren's going to have a similar level of success, a similar career. We compared him to Brandon Shell earlier, who's still plugging away in the NFL. I think that's kind of the point where that's where they're at right now. And uh, th- then you go to the center and then the, the other tackle spot. So center, me and Justin talked about this in the past. We got Connor McGovern and Joe Tipman fighting for a spot. I think probably it'll be Tipman and who ends up winning that. I know that McGovern has experience but i just think the contract that they gave him on uh i think the contract they gave him on kind of signals that they're ready to move on and then that leaves Dwayne brown and makai becton fighting for the two uh spots at left tackle so if you had to ask me right now gun to my head gun to my head i would probably say that uh makai becton it ends up just going to right tackle and Dwayne brown is the left tackle is that the best move right now I'm really not sure, but you would you would basically have to you'd have to take a locker room leader like Dwayne Brown and essentially demote him. And I just don't know if that will uh, that will go over very well. I know that I know that football is a meritocracy and I know that the Jets have kind of prided themselves on running a meritocracy, but that I, I find it hard to envision Dwayne Brown will really stick around as a backup at this point. So uh, let us know in the comments, uh, you know, what you guys think about the whole Dwayne Brown situation, the whole Mackay Becton situation, and kind of what your expectations are for him this year. Because Becton is still a great unknown, I think is what I would call it. We really haven't seen him since the Adam Gase year. We haven't really seen Mackay Becton in the NFL with fans in the building. Because really the only year he played was the COVID year. And then 
2021, he had a grand one game. Ooh, wow, one game. And then he gets hurt again. And then obviously last year, it's his knees that start acting up. So the Becton, Becton status, as we've alluded to in past podcasts, is quite weird. And I'm not really sure. Like he's, he, It's basically like an entirely clean slate. He's going to have to start proving himself over again. Uh, Charles Harrison in the chat here, who is, thanks for commenting, Charles. I've seen you, your post a couple times. Uh, the Jets need Williams to win the East. And with all his injuries, Becton is better off on the right side. Joe Titman will be a great center in this league. I'm with you on that. Now, we talk about shifting around you know, guys, a lot left tackles, right tackles and, and things like that. But uh, it's not so easy to wear uh, like left tackle. You could just move over like there's a whole new set of footwork that you have to learn. There's a whole new set of responsibilities, the ways you move and contort your body. I always compare uh, Panay Sewell is the express is the guy I always end up using as a uh as a reference point because Panay Sewell had to move over originally and his rookie year, he struggled and he was the supposedly the no doubt, you know, easy win offensive tackle prospect who was going to start for 10 years. Then he goes to a more natural position. What do you know? Dominate, or at least it took some time for him to kind of get up to speed. So the jets are going to have to really, uh, you know, really, work with Makai Becton here and put up with some growing pains because you're taking a guy and putting him at a position he's never played before two years off a serious injury with a guy who while learning a new offense so now as Scott comes back on uh just want to get generally your thoughts on Makai Becton because as I alluded to earlier Becton is basically starting from scratch at this point he's basically moving to a new position even though we had that weird tweet out i think still think Dwayne brown's gonna be the left tackle let's let's get your thoughts really quick on the whole becton uh situation well first of all michael apologies i have had unbelievably weird technical difficulties but as far as high becton goes look i'll say the same thing that i said in that the Jets have a real difference to make. The, the, the obvious issue with Becton is different than it is with Quentin Williams. With Quentin Williams, the issue is, can they get him paid at, at the appropriate time? The issue with Makai Becton is, can he stay healthy? And look, nobody's a bigger fan of Makai Becton than I am. I was a big fan of his before the draft. I was talking about him before anybody else, I think. I was talking about him in December of 2019. I remember sending clips of Makai Becton to a couple of people. Somebody had told me to look at him. They said, have you seen this kid from Louisville, Makai Becton? I said, who watches Louisville? And so they said, all right, well, here's some clips. You might want to take a look at the All-22 when you get a chance. And I watched a couple of clips of Makai Becton committing acts that I think would have been illegal in a couple of states. And I said, holy cow, this guy is unbelievable. I'm like, oh, I can't imagine he's actually going to end up being a second rounder, but he'd be a great pick in the second round because that's where they were projecting him. Then, of course, Daniel Jeremiah had him at number four. He vaulted up the board and all that. But I think with him, it's just a matter of, look, you like the confidence. You like the fact that he has the fire. You like the fact that he he clearly is motivated to get back to where he was his rookie year or at least even improve upon that. Remember how good he was his rookie year for a guy who many people thought was going to be a few years away. He slimmed down, reportedly down to 340 pounds. You still have to wonder about whether or not he's going to be healthy. And on the one hand, you don't like him tweeting like that because it's really an annoying habit that players have. I really wish they would. 
ironically enough, follow Zach Wilson's lead. Zach Wilson, I think, hired a guy to do his social media stuff and then just let it be and don't touch it. But the fact that Makai Becton understands, and I know that uh, Antoine Staley of the Daily News said this on the show, that he's battling for his career now. He, this is it because they declined his fifth year option, which of course made sense given his history. So I think he's one of the keys to this offense. If he stays healthy, that could be a huge difference maker. But I also think that you have to balance out the good with the bad when it comes to, you know, the tweets and all the declarations and ever on certain issues with the fact maybe on the other end of the scale, the best that he can be. So really, I think what it comes is we can sit here and we can tar Michael, obviously, but can he stay healthy and can he be healthy the entire year and make an impact on that line? If he stays healthy, I think he can. And I actually am more confident than most that he's going to be able to have a fairly healthy season. So we'll see, but I'm not too worried about the tweeting. I've just kind of written that off in my mind. It hasn't quite reached Jamal Adams level. That's when I think you have to worry about it. I, I want to defend Becton in two different instances. And again, I've been a guy who's been a little bit critical of the, of the Makai Becton pick just because I know it's not his fault that he got hurt, but it's hard to really like look back and kind of excuse a guy who's been hurt that much, especially when he is kind of an outlier size-wise and there are very few guys that big that don't have some sort of recurring problems. I do kind of get some of the sensitivity too, because there have been a lot of guys, especially like some of the radio guys too, where there's all these comments about his weight and always eating himself out of the league and all this stuff. Like if, if I were Makai Becton, I'm not saying that that's rabbit ears and that's being overly offended. Like I could see why I would, I would get a little pissed off. If that's how my, my career was being discussed. And, uh, I mean, we've certainly seen crazier things than a guy who was a former first-round pick end up switching. I, I still think, though, he'll end up switching positions just because, as I mentioned earlier, Wayne Brown is such a rock-solid guy, such a rock-solid tackle. It'll take some time, and it'll really test the Jets' patience because this is not the 2021 and 2022 Robert Sala where you could let the young guys experiment and kind of figure things out on the fly and learn on-the-job training, intern, basically. This is pedal to the metal, we're competing for a championship. And if Makai Becton goes over to right tackle and he's just like, uh, God, who's that Panthers tackle that got Cam Newton killed in the Super Bowl? Oh, was it Mike Remmers? If he ends up being Mike Remmers, <laughs> then that's going to be a huge issue. And I don't know how long the Jets are going to take it. I mean, like, like hypothetically, I want to get your, your thoughts on this. I'm going to make a hypothetical scenario. Like, let's just say we're six weeks into the season. And it's very clear Makai Becton is a liability. I mean, I, I think you'd have to bench him at that point, and that'd pretty much be the, the end of Makai Becton at that point, right? Yeah, well, first of all, I have to say, I agree with you in terms of Becton being annoyed about people making those comments. I just think it's better to not go on Twitter and address it. But as far as what you're talking about, yeah, look, I think ultimately he plays right tackle because of the fact that their other best tackle is Dwayne Brown. And like you said, he spent his whole career there, whereas Becton has played right tackle before. He's got experience there. So it just makes sense to get your two best tackles on the field. And then obviously, you know, the, the possibility for Becton to move back to left tackle is there for next season if he has a good year and the Jets work out a deal for him to stay because Brown's 38 and this is the last year of his deal. But as far as what you're talking about with Becton potentially being benched, 
what I would say is it, it's like anybody else. If Becton is out there and he's a liability for whatever reason, and I would assume that if he's a liability, it's likely because either he's getting his bearings going back to right tackle or more likely there's some sort of issue lingering from the injuries. Maybe he just isn't physically the same guy. That's certainly a possibility. And yeah, if, if it gets to the point where he's a liability, they will have to sit him now. The question would be, who's the better option? I don't know. Would it be Billy Turner? I mean, Billy Turner had a, bit, a pretty rough go of it in Denver and Green Bay. But at that point, if he's that bad, yeah, maybe Billy Turner. Or you have Max Mitchell sitting there. What's the story with Max Mitchell? We don't really know. There's been all kinds of conjecture. We haven't really gotten any firm updates, so we're just guessing on him. Abuhe, we know what the story is with him. He's a serviceable, I suppose you would say, backup swing tackle. Then there's, of course, the wild card card Warren. If he develops quicker than people expect, maybe he's a possibility. But I do think that the Jets at this particular point in time are really counting on Mekhi Becton to be able to play well if he's healthy. Because if he's out there and he stays healthy and he plays poorly, that just presents a whole other set of problems that the Jets, they've done the best they can to safeguard against it, but it wasn't something that was going to be easily safeguarded against. So if he's bad, it's going to be an issue for the Jets without question. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm glad you brought up Billy Turner because I think Billy Turner kind of segues well into our next topic because Billy Turner uh, finally got to speak his mind. Turner, who has experience with Nathaniel Hackett, uh, both in Green Bay and in Denver, as he went to the Broncos last year when Hackett got hired. And as we all know, did the most amazing job ever that everybody loved, you know, classic masterful head coaching job by Nathaniel Hackett. 
So Billy Turner finally gets to speak as he seems like a guy who would know Aaron Rodgers. And if we know Aaron Rodgers, he, if nothing else, Aaron Rodgers is a great friend to have because Aaron Rodgers gets his friends jobs. He gets Billy Turner jobs. He gets literally the only reason Nathaniel Hackett's a coordinator this year, I think is because of Aaron Rodgers as a lure for Aaron Rodgers. And then he also gets Randall Cobb jobs and Turner. So Turner finally gets to speak his mind about, you know, Aaron Rodgers and what's going on and, how he looks going over to Jets camp. And this is a quote from Turner on a Sirius XM where he said, uh, he's very, it's very cool to witness. Uh, he's experiencing something new for the first time in his career. He also said that he was quote effing happy uh, to join the, to join the New York Jets, which this just helps the, the good vibes are just, they're good right now. They are permeating. They are emanating. They are in great supply. And it's good because Aaron Rodgers, for all of the great things about him, I mean, we know off the off the field, he's a little bit of a weird guy. I mean, we know he's got some, I'm going to dare I say questionable uh, uh, health related and uh, medical related opinions that uh, may not always be the best for everybody. Uh, and then he's also like oh, got a weird way of communicating, I would say, like especially with the Packers, because it seems like even beforehand, there was always friction with Mike McCarthy. I can remember an interview where he basically hinted that Mike McCarthy was dumb and he didn't really know what he was doing. But because he's so passive aggressive, it never really comes out. They're just all these little mini jabs and needles and secret little things and twisting words. And that's how he operates. It seemed like he, the last couple of years, he was playing out of spite with Green Bay. The Jordan Love pick, they can say what they want. Aaron Rodgers can say it. The franchise can say it. Jordan Love can say it. That pissed him off. That really pissed him off. The, the, the lack of forewarning, number one, the fact that they did it, number two, and the fact that they're basically saying, all right, I know that you're performing at a close to MVP level, but you know what? You're on the decline. You're, you're on your way out. We're going to draft Jordan Love. So then out of spite, he wins two MVP awards. He has the down year last year, but there's 10 other reasons to explain that. The thumb injury, the lack of talent around him, the exodus of, Coaching talent, obviously Hackett, and then Luke Getze, who went to the Bears as the offensive coordinator. Now he's on the Jets, and he's feeling good for the first time in a while. And you could tell, too, that he is, he's got a mission this year. He's got a mission. He wants to prove it to the Packers. He wants to prove it to the rest of the league. Having a guy with that sort of talent and that sort of drive and the fact he's feeling good, I think it's only going to be good things for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not a bad thing to have Aaron Rodgers in a good mood and happy. Can't imagine anybody that's a Jets fan would argue that's a negative. In fact, I think if you're a Packers fan, if you're being honest about it, you would say that's certainly positive. As far as everything that went down with Aaron Rodgers, look, I've I've taken a deep dive into all of this on the show. I play like a Jet a bunch of times. And really what it comes down to is, yeah, obviously he was mad when they took Jordan Love. He felt like they could have taken somebody that could have helped them right there because, remember, they had just lost in the NFC Championship game. But from the Packers' side of things, listen, they basically did exactly what they did with Brett Favre. They saw a guy who was, at the time, Rodgers would have been 36, bordering on 37. And how much longer is this guy going to play? We see this player in Jordan Love who – we are fairly confident we can turn into a really good quarterback. And so we can take him. He's going to take some work. We have Rodgers play for two, three years, and then we can have Jordan Love ready to go. And I mean, that's pretty much how it ended up. Now, where the Packers misstep is that last year, 
was probably the year to do this. I think at that point, they weren't all that confident in Jordan Love, and that's why they held on the extra year. But in doing so, they ended up costing themselves what could have been, say, the Russell Wilson package that was given up to Denver. By waiting an extra year, essentially what happened was they had a bad contract with Rodgers. He was a year older, and because of that, the Jets were the only team that were interested, and so when one team is interested, you're not going to get the same kind of return you would if many teams are interested. But Billy Turner's comments sort of show you that Aaron Rodgers sort of sees this as a rebirth. I think both sides really just needed to move on at this point. The Packers probably had reached as far as they were going to go with Rodgers. They needed a couple of years to really build up that young talent, and they'll do it now around Jordan Love. And for the Jets, they feel like they're ready to win now. Now, Whatever win now means to you is a different thing depending on who you are. I had Mark Ross on the show, and he said – Well, do you mean win now as in go to the playoffs? Do you mean win now as in win the division? Do you mean win now as in contend for the Super Bowl? Do you mean win now as in win the Super Bowl? Like, what are you asking? And really, I think if you want to twist yourself in knots, you could argue for any of the four things I just said. I think very few people would argue that they're not contenders for the playoffs, certainly. I think very few people would argue that they're not division contenders. I think the Bills are certainly still the favorite, but the Jets absolutely would be in the discussion, as are the Dolphins, by the way. So I think certainly Rodgers puts them right there. As far as Super Bowl contender and all of that, are they quite at that level? That's a much tougher discussion to have because are some of the guys that were promising young players last year going to be even better this year? Are the Jets going to be able to repeat certain things that they did last year that they may not be able to get away with this year? For example, they were a very healthy defense last year, very healthy. This year, will that be the case? I don't know. As far as backup quarterbacks, they faced a lot of those last year. Will they be able to have the same level of success? Presumably not facing the same number of backup quarterbacks. So that's where the question is, are they necessarily going to be in that Super Bowl mix? We have to see how how these things play out once these guys get on the field, the early chemistry with Rodgers and those guys, because look, we saw what happened with Tom Brady. Those first few weeks, it was looking shaky. And then they finally figured out, okay, let's just let Brady do what Brady does. And he took over, and the next thing you know, Tampa was the hottest team down the stretch. Now, they had to do something difficult. They had to win a bunch of road games to make it to the Super Bowl, but they were able to do it. If the Jets and Rodgers get off on a shaky start, maybe they end up having to do that because they wind up a wild card and all of that. But I think that Rodgers' excitement, his happiness is a positive, and I think that it shows that everything that we're talking about is absolutely in his head. He certainly believes the Jets are a playoff-caliber team, and I think he probably believes that the Jets are just as good as many of those Packers teams that he took to the NFC championship game, regardless of not making the Super Bowl. You know how it goes. Winning Super Bowls, getting the Super Bowls, it's hard because you're up against the best of the best every year. It's a lot of times anything can happen in in a one-game playoff situation. But what Aaron Rodgers certainly has done is put the Jets in the conversation that they weren't in before And he, I think, understands that. That's why he's happy. And as I said, that's a great thing if you're a Jets fan. See, I want to self-report a bad take I've done a while back because this was way back, like episode three or four, you know, before Aaron Rodgers was kind of the favorite and there was still all the Derek Carr talk. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo was the favorite at that point before he uh, went to the Raiders. I mean, my God, imagine if we had Jimmy Garoppolo right now instead of Aaron Rodgers, just how different the vibes would be. But 
I remember being a little bit nervous about, all right, how is he going to handle New York? And not in like a hacky sports media, like Mike Francesa caller, like he can't handle New York. He's not tough enough. But like, there are concerns I thought about going from, I mean, he's a, a small town, Northern California guy. Then he goes to Green Bay, which is a very insular market. And then kabam, New York City after this big trade thing. Boy, is he smashed those expectations. He looks comfortable. He is playing the media like a damn fiddle. He is thriving right now. I'll say this, Michael, just to jump in, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but that that's one thing that was never really a concern for me with Rodgers. Look, I've said this before. If it were me, I would have gone and signed Carr. And look, I'm not unhappy that Rodgers is here, and I think Rodgers is undoubtedly the better quarterback. I don't think anybody's going to question that. To me at the time, it was, okay, are they going to be able to get Rodgers? What's the price to acquire? Uh, if they don't get Rodgers and they don't get Carr, then what? So there were a lot of questions. And I think you could still make a healthy case for Carr. He's younger. He'll be around longer. They didn't give up any assets for him. He's going to make less money. Gives you more flexibility. You could certainly make that case. But one thing that I never would have made as a case against Rodgers or Carr, for that matter, is the New York media thing. I just think that's so overplayed. I think it's one thing when you're talking about some kid who's just coming into the league, but Aaron Rodgers is one of the most recognizable athletes in the world. So even though he's a, uh, played in Green Bay and from Northern California and all that, he's still a guy that literally has been on the receiving end of all kinds of crazy stories from national media forever. And look, you and I both know a lot of the beat reporters and the guys that cover the team. I like most of those guys friendly with just about all of them. I'm not really nervous. And this is not meant to be a slight about Rich Zimini scaring Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think Aaron Rodgers goes to bed at night going, Oh no, is Connor Hughes going to ask me some tough question or something like that. He's not like Zach Wilson. I think you could have at least made that case because what you would have said is, well, he's never been on this level. I mean, BYU is a big program. There's a lot of people, but it's a very different type of fan base. The New York fan base and NFL fan bases in general, you know this, Michael, they're all very schizophrenic, right? They love you one minute, they hate you the next. But the way I look at it is, look, however you feel about all the controversy surrounding Aaron Rodgers the last few years, and you can have whatever opinion you want on it, he's been the center of a ton of different controversies and had to be reported on by all the biggest media outlets all over the world. And if that didn't phase him and he still went out there and played really well, I don't really think it's going to be a problem. I mean, look, regardless of where you stand on, like I said, the, all the COVID stuff, the media was all over him that whole year. And he went out and he won the MVP award. So it didn't seem to really bother him then. I never saw that it would be an issue now. So uh, that's one thing where, you know, I think there were legitimate concerns about Rodgers and there still are in the sense that, yeah, he's turning 40. How well will his body hold up uh, and, and all that stuff? Those are natural concerns you're going to have when the guy's 40 years old. But as far as the media, not worried about it. Never was. Now, I got to go ask you your opinion on a rumor that's been percolating around because schedule release time is almost here, which is something that I'm not necessarily – I don't go gaga over because you know the opponents already. It's just figuring out the order. But it's still nice to see primetime matchups, especially when the Jets – are probably going to be in prime time about four or five different times this year. Now that they have Aaron Rodgers as opposed to throwing out Zach Wilson and Christian Hackenberg and all these, this murderer's row of horrible quarterbacks that they've been used to in the last few years. So this is a rumor uh, originally from sports illustrated, I believe uh, on their Jets site. Uh, 
where they said that there was a chance that Monday Night Football Week 1 is going to be Jets-Giants. So Aaron Rodgers' first game will be at the Meadowlands. I believe the Giants are technically the home team, but that's going to be a pretty even split regardless. I mean, your thoughts on what I think could be a pretty fun spectacle to kick off the season. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, now we know it's been confirmed that the Dolphins are going to be playing the Jets at MetLife on Black Friday. So we know that'll be a fun one. Everybody's going to still be all messed up on the trip to fan and trying to fight back the sleepiness as they head to MetLife Stadium to tailgate at six o'clock in the morning. But the Jets and Giants, look, we don't know for sure that it's true. It's just something that's been buzzed right now. I, there are some people that have said, oh, this would be bad because Aaron Rodgers' first game at MetLife would be a road game. I don't really, as I said before with the press, I don't think Aaron Rodgers cares about that. And let's be honest, I think there would be plenty of Jets fans that would get their hands on tickets anyway. I would hope to get my hands on some tickets for that. But it would be interesting because, look, I'll say this. If you're a Jets fan and you like to go to the games, the fact that the Jets play the Giants almost gives you an extra home game if you think about it. Because even if it maybe costs you a little bit extra money, as opposed to if you're a season ticket holder and you already have your tickets paid for at base value, you don't have to travel. You don't have to get hotel accommodations. You don't have to fly anywhere, any of that. So that's nice. And realistically, look, I'm not trying to be, I think these comments will come back to bite me, I'm sure. I don't really think the Giants are that great of a team. So if Aaron Rodgers is going to go out there and the Jets are going to go out there week one, they don't have to travel on the road. They are in front of a, a crowd in a quote unquote road game that is probably going to be somewhat close to evenly split. And then on top of that, you have the fact that you can get this way, this game out of the way earlier. You want to have, I think, the tougher games later on in the season because that way, if you stumble a little bit early, you have some margin for error when you're up against the bad teams. If you're going up against the good teams early and you don't have your footing yet, which, again, as good as Rodgers is and as happy as he is, there are going to be some things to work out coming to a new team with new players. So you'd rather he work those out on the teams that aren't the elite teams. You'd rather them play the Giants week one than have to go to Buffalo week one or have to even be home against Kansas City week one. So I kind of like it. If, if that is the case, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I think it would be a, a good thing and it would be a lot of fun. It's been a, uh, quite a while since the Jets and Giants have played each other in a game that really meant anything. The last one that I remember meaning much of anything between those two teams where they were both good at the same time would have been uh, 2011, which if you recall, the Jets were eight and three and then stumbled down the stretch or eight and four and then stumbled down the stretch. The Giants ended up winning that game. That play sent the two franchises in two completely different directions. The Giants got hot, won the Super Bowl. The Jets tanked and ended up eight and eight. So this will be the first really meaningful matchup between those two teams since then. And I think the environment will be tremendous. So I think it would be cool if that's what happens. Real quick, just to, uh, again, Scott Mason, play like a Jet podcast, who has valiantly fought through some technical issues to deliver a really, really good episode here. Uh, but really quick, because you're not on the Jet press every single week, I want to get your thoughts on this really quick. Uh, looking at the schedule and what their record is, uh, I think if you had to put like a gun to my head and say make a declaration, I think right now the Jets are an 11-6 and six team. Looking at their schedule, I think I don't think they're sweeping Buffalo, so that's one. I don't think they're sweeping Miami, so that's two. 
And I think if you go to New England, there's always some weird, it's like the St. Louis Cardinals in baseball. They just win 90 games every year with a bunch of AAA players. There's Belichick devil magic that'll, that'll come up and somehow I think they'll, they'll bungle that. So there's three or six losses. I don't think they beat Kansas City. I, I don't think they'll beat the Eagles, but you know what? I don't think the Eagles are going to go 18-0, and 0, so if that's one of their upset wins, maybe I could see it. I think looking at the road schedule, they do play at Dallas. I think that could be a tough one. They go at Denver. The altitude's always tough there. Luckily, they do have a lot of their tougher games this year at home. Phillies at home. Chiefs are at home. Chargers are at home. I think 11-6 and six right now is, is fair for the Jets. What, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked at it and really analyzed game by game, but that does sound pretty fair. I think we had said last year that if the Jets had had a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, we had Haley English, who now, by the way, congratulations to her, got hired by the Detroit Lions. So thanks a lot, Lions, for stealing my stats person. But anyway, I'm just kidding. Obviously, I'm very proud of Haley, and I, I think she's going to do great. And I hope she remembers me when she's the first female general manager in the NFL. But I, I, without looking specifically at each game and thinking win-loss, win-loss, 11-6 and six sounds about fair to me. I think some people have said 13-4. and four. Some people have undershot it. I think 10-7, and 11-6. If something goes right, it could be 12-4, and four, somewhere in that range. I would say between 12, 10 and 12 wins is likely. And I think you're right. They probably will split with Buffalo. I think they'll probably split with Miami, assuming Tua stays healthy, which, you know, who knows if that happens. Miami's very tough, by the way. People forget that. They have a really good roster. That AFC East is going to be very difficult. Uh, the Patriots, they may look, they haven't beaten them in how long. So I can't take anything for granted at this point with the Patriots, even with Aaron Rodgers here, but they got a tough slate. I mean, look, they're going up against Mahomes at home and the, and the Kansas city chiefs. That's always going to be difficult. They've got the Eagles that is also at home, but the Eagles arguably have the best overall roster in the NFL. So that's going to be very, very tough. Then you take a look at some of the other games they've got. San Diego, excuse me, I keep saying San Diego, LA, the Chargers, Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson is back now. And, and I know he struggled for a few games, but you have to figure that he'll have his bearings back. That's a really good roster now. And I, I know a lot of Jets fans won't want to hear this, but I think Elijah Moore is going to do really well in that offense. So I, look, they've got a lot of tough games this year, a lot. I mean, there are a couple of games that are not, the toughest, but even a game like the Raiders, look, the Raiders are not a good roster, but funny things happen when you travel across the country. So I, I think you, without looking and analyzing each individual game, you had a pretty good one. 11 and six sounds about right. I would say anywhere between, between 20, 10 and 12 would be my expectation. And if a thing or two goes wrong, you could see maybe eight or nine. I think that's more only if, there are some injuries and knock on wood. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But I think where you're at is, is probably where I'm at. And with that, we're going to call time on the latest episode of the Jeff Press podcast. Thank you so much to Scott Mason over at Play Like a Jet for filling in for Justin Freed this week. Justin will be back with us next week after he gets out of the middle of his uh, jungle excursion down to uh, Central America. So right now fighting off some sort of rare endangered boa constrictor right now. So thank him for that. When he comes back, uh, make sure to check out Scott and make sure to check us out on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, overcast, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Also go find us over on YouTube at the jet press. Make sure you subscribe. 
make sure you hit that bell so you get notified and make sure you check out our prospect interviews. We have a bunch, uh, two of them with Carter Warren and Jarrett Bernard Converse, who are brand new New York Jets. So if you want your Jets prospect fix, that is the place to go. Uh, Until next time, I am Mike Luciano. Thank you for Scott Mason for tuning in and we will see you guys next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.